having a more in-depth conversation, right? That, that kind of changes it. And again, I have zero issues with transactions. Yeah. But I think transactions may have gotten a little bit of a negative stigma of like, oh, you know, it's a transactional relationship. I'm like, no, 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 there's a real relationship. Now, I do business with some of my very best friends, right? Sure. Like, we buy things from each other, we sell things to each other, we support each other. Transactions are fine. I just think, you know, for a while, we've allowed the transaction to rule over the relationship. Mm. And I think it is dangerous to allow the relationship to rule over all transactions, too. Mm. There's a healthy balance, right? Welcome to Lessons in Leverage, the podcast that takes you behind the scenes of success. We'll help you unlock the secrets of leverage so you can amplify your impact in the world. Here's your host, Spencer Lowe. Welcome back to Lessons in Leverage. Today, I've got my friend Paul Shin on the podcast. Super excited to introduce Paul. I first met him when he was actually the CMO at a company called Incorporate Massage. And uh, prior to that, Paul has a really interesting background as an executive, as a marketer. But it all led to more recently starting Tacos Together. And Paul, I'll let you kind of talk a little bit about what that is. And Hey, man. Thank, thank you so much for having me, man. Uh, Absolutely. You know, it's been... I appreciate you as a friend for a long time. I uh, love what you're building over here as well. So again, thank you for, for having me, man. Awesome. Uh, yeah, happy to happy to share my story though, right? Uh, honestly, if uh, if you're okay with it, I'll kind of rewind a little bit, right? I Please. Think it sets the stage. Yeah. Uh, so I grew up, uh, so I was actually, I was born in Korea, right? Okay. So I, I grew up with uh, very traditional, very conservative uh, Asian parents. And I, I love my parents to death. Like credit, you know, credit where credit's due, man. I saw them come here and fight for everything that they, you know, they ever had. Awesome. Uh, you know, the flip side of that though, is I grew up in a world where, you know, happiness, like my job was get good grades, go to a good college, go make good money. Right. And so I naturally thought like, okay, like happiness, right? Like me doing my purpose in life was, uh, you know, making a hundred thousand dollars a year. Mm -hmm. Right. And then, you know, you make a hundred thousand and I'm not trying to discredit anyone that hasn't hit that number yet. Right. But you know, you're not flying around on private jets. Like, you know, I, I couldn't buy an Island at a hundred thousand a year. Right. Sure, yeah. Uh, and I'm not, it takes me a long time to figure things out. So, you know, I never once questioned like, okay, was the, was the metric right. Right. Or was the goal right. I just thought maybe the number was wrong. Right. So then that went up to 150, right. And that went up to 200 and the number kept getting bigger and bigger. And honestly, I found myself getting more and more miserable, right? Uh, you know, I was working for this cool company out in San Diego, but honestly, like that required a ton of travel. Again, the pay was great, but uh, my second child had just been born and every other week I was on the road, right? I missed a ton of his growing up. I mean, he's six now, so luckily I was, anyways. But like those first years, right? And um, yeah, man, it was, uh, I just wasn't happy. Right. And, um, so then I thought, well, maybe it was, a, maybe it was like a, a power thing, right? Maybe it was a fame thing, a recognition thing, right? Like I should be on the cover of Forbes magazine. I should, you know, I'm a big deal. Mm. Just, that's just where my ego was at. Sure. Right. Uh, and you know, and I knew some buddies and, uh, they had started this, uh, AI scheduling tool. So I joined on as a co-founder and I thought like, great. Like I'm a, you know, I'm a tech co-founder now. I'm like, that's going to be the next big thing. And it's going to go huge. And everyone's going to line up to talk to me. Like I'm going to be a celebrity. Right. And the sad truth is that like, 
it wasn't a bad product, but the reality is that my heart wasn't in it for the right reasons. Right? I mean, you're a founder, right? You understand that like starting a business just to make a couple bucks and to get recognition is a pretty quick way to fail. Right. And again, it takes me a long time to figure these things out. Right. So, um, yeah, there's definitely moments where things are just too hard for it to be just about the money. You, uh, there are long nights moments where you're thinking to yourself, like, what am I even doing? Yeah. Especially the more successful you are or the more successful that, that you become, the more the easier that it is to say, like, I actually don't need the money or I could sell this business or I could do something else. I have other opportunities. And so it becomes even more challenging having additional opportunities and options to really have to go deep inside of me and be like, is this really what I want to be doing? Is this aligned to my values? Is this helping me achieve my potential? Is this meaningful to me? Because if it's not, uh, yeah, I think it doesn't work. You got to kind of be a psychopath to just do it for the money. Uh, (laughs) Dude, and you're you're not wrong, right? I I just didn't understand that then, right? Well, I don't think any of us do, right? I think we all start with kind of blind to that. We all all think that, I remember I knew exactly how much money my dad made uh, at a certain point in his life and the lifestyle he had. And so in my mind, that was that was the number. Right. Just like for you, it was that hundred thousand. It's like, man, if I'm making a hundred thousand, that's going to be so meaningful. And one of the things I never accounted for was the fact that, yeah, that's the number he's making right now. But he's been making also a number for thirty-five years. Like I'm coming in late in their life. I was a late baby. Yeah. There's been a compounding effect. Like all this stuff they own, they didn't buy in one year of hundred thousand dollars. It wasn't like they got to hundred thousand dollars a year in income, and all of a sudden they were. You know, filthy rich. It's like the life you're seeing. This house was bought in a market 15 years ago. Sure. The all of the different uh, possessions that we have, like it, it compounded over time. That steady effort, and so that's one of the disservices I think we do to kids. And certainly, I think I was in a similar boat to you of like thinking that there's some number where everything just changes. Like, no, it's going to take you almost no matter how much money you make. Obviously, there's a limit. You can go be Zuckerberg, and all of a sudden, sure. the world's open to you. But for most people, even if you are su- extremely successful, it takes 10, 15 years to build up any kind of real wealth. Like right. it just does. And it's hard. And if the, on the journey you're miserable, that's a painful place to be. It can be a really dark place. Sure. So where where did that start to open up for you? Where did you really start to? Because I mean, I, I know you, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you had a lot of different jobs. What were some of those points in the journey where you started to, to realize like, maybe I have the wrong metric? Well, and honestly, uh, what you brought up is is dead on, right? This this idea of being in a dark place, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I was going all in on the startup. I wasn't taking a paycheck, you know, whatever, right? Living off savings, et cetera. End of 2020, uh, it's just not going anywhere, right? And part of it, again, is that my heart wasn't in it, right? Yeah. So when the money wasn't coming in, we'd run out of money. Like, I just didn't have enough belief in it to, to keep going, right? And honestly, that put me in a, a really dark place, right? End of 2020, uh, I had gained a, I mean, I still have a lot of weight to lose. Sure. Uh, but, you know, I, I was over 300 pounds. Uh, I was right. diagnosed with diabetes. Uh, my wife and I were fighting. Right? Mm-hmm. She was stressed out. I was stressed out. We were used to making a certain amount of money, right? And all of a sudden, we weren't anymore, right? Yeah. Uh, the, again, there was nothing left in the savings account, right? We were broke. And um, it was actually in that moment where, I had made plans to take my own life, right? Not to not to make it all dark, but uh, no, but it's important to talk about. Yeah, right. And, and and again, and I think a lot of a lot of people going on journeys, right? Like they end up in dark places, right? And hopefully not to that same level, but you know it happens. And you know, at the end of every year, right? There's a 
I don't know. I, I barely ever got a LinkedIn back in 2020, right? Yeah. Uh, I thought it was just like a weird job for honestly. Yeah, it was like an online resume. Yeah, 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 right? Like, what else do you do with it? Um, and I remember logging in. I don't know why I logged in. And I remember seeing just all these posts about like, you know, so-and-so, like, you know, our company grew 3,000%. We won these like seven awards and we're so excited. We're going to double it next year. And, you know, and I believe that people should celebrate their wins. A hundred percent. But I was just in a dark and angry place, right? Mm. So I took a picture of my uh, my unfinished basement, right? And a little desk in the corner there. You know, yeah, it's a, it's a crappy little basement. And... Um, you know, and I, I remember I made this post, right? And it talked about how this is the other side of being an entrepreneur, right? It's not winning awards and going to like banquets and galas and flying around on your private jet, right? It's you're going to work 70 hours a week in your crappy unfinished basement by yourself. Yeah. And, you know, after all this time and said and done, like you're broke and the only thing you have to show for it is diabetes. And um, again, man, I was just bitter, right? And, um, you know, it was an interesting thing because I didn't really believe in community at the time, right? I was a big believer of like, yes, networking was important, but it was always very objective focused, right? Yeah. Oh, you're the CEO of a certain company. So like, I want to buddy up with you because that unlocks certain doors for me, right? Yeah. And it was fascinating, right? As soon as I made that post, literally the next day, uh, somebody, and I don't know who, like to this day, I have no idea who it is, right? I mean, they knew where I lived, so I'm assuming one of my neighbors I'm assuming saw the post because like literally the next day someone came by and dropped off a big old bag of Christmas presents. Like that was Christmas for my family that year. Right. Wow. Uh, other people in the community, like volunteered all these things. Like one guy ended up paying my living expenses for six months. Wow. It was life changing. Right. And, um, you know, it's a weird thing when you make plans to end your own life and, you know, all of a sudden you've passed that time frame and you're still here. It really makes you think like, what am I doing here, right? Mm -hmm. The first time in my life, I didn't have a plan. I didn't have a goal. There was no promotion I was chasing. There was no dollar amount I was chasing, right? It was just, I was here. And, um, you know, this guy who, you know, he's asked to say anonymous, but this guy who helped pay so much of my living at the time, he told me, hey, man, like the biggest thing I want you to do right now is just like figure out what you want. What do you want in life? Like, what is your unique purpose? You know, he said, anything else, everything else will take care of itself. Like, and if you need more help later, I'm here for you. But take some time and figure it out, right? And I remember I studied, I don't know, man, Buddhism, right? I wanted to learn about that, right? I started going to lunch with anyone that would be, anyone that was willing to go to lunch with me. I just wanted to learn from them, right? And it was just like, tell me your story, right? I had nothing to sell. I couldn't afford to buy, right? I had nothing to offer. So for the first time, I was just like really hearing their stories, right? Uh, I started going to the woods. I started meditating. I started journaling. Um, and after this six-month period, the wild thing to me, and I know it sounds so simple, but like my big realization was human connection is the solution, like to all the problems, right? Everything that we need is solved by human connection, right? And we are wired to want to be connected with each other. Yeah. And yet I, I remember distinctly, like I actually went down and I have this drawer full of business cards. And I remember going through it, man, and there's hundreds, if not thousands of business cards in here, right? From, you know, I don't know, a decade plus of 
conferences and trade shows and networking events and all these things. But I realized I didn't know a single person. Like, like each business card, like I had no idea who any of these people were, right? Like I had met hundreds and thousands of people, but I didn't know any of them. Uh, anyways, and so, uh, you know, as I was going around and meeting people and, and getting to know them, uh, you know, I wanted to see if maybe we could do that on a slightly larger scale. And that's really where Tacos was born, right? Tacos Together, it actually started from a post. And literally the post just said, uh, would anyone want to go get tacos together with me? And I remember thinking like, dude, if five people say yes, like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, and we ended up having like 150 people sign up to, uh, to go eat lunch together. And luckily, uh, you know, a couple companies saw it and someone was like, dude, we'll, we'll, we'll sponsor the tacos. And somewhere else was like, you can use our office building if you need more space. And uh, it was really just that, right? This idea of bringing people together with no agenda nothing to sell them, no membership fee, like just get together and eat food and like be real with each other and see what happens from there. Right. Mm. And now we're, you know, we're almost two years in, right. We've broken uh, two world records. Uh, we've done an international sporting event, which is really cool. Uh, I don't know, man, like it's just been wild to see where this journey has gone. Uh, but that was really the story of how, you know, working for tech companies, being a CMO, being a CRO, to now, uh, you know, hanging out with people and eating tacos, man. That's <laughs> quite a journey. Thank you. And it, I think it highlights something that's really important. I think a lot of times leverage is associated quickly and, and commonly with money, you know, financial leverage, sure. uh, capital. So also sometimes there's a negative connotation, like how do I get ahead? How do I get an advantage on someone else sure. or leverage relative to someone else? And what I think is really beautiful about kind of the story you just told is you've built all of this relationship leverage on the exact opposite ethos, you know, on the, on this, on the idea of uh, not trying to take from you, not trying to get ahead of you, not trying to put one over on you, not trying to elevate myself at someone else's expense, but really what kind of magic, what bigger outcomes could be possible if we come together yeah. if, with that connection, what could happen? And it's amazing how even in your personal life, just a little bit of leverage went a long way. You know, the, the idea that you just got the message out there and people saw it, whether that's when you asked people to come to tacos and all of a sudden that amplified so much more than you ever would have done by yourself. If you went and had to individually ask each person yeah. and you had to find the event, you probably wouldn't have even thought, oh, I want 150 people there. You'd say, oh, I definitely don't want to do more than 20 people. Right, right, right. And I'm not even going to have a place to put them if it's larger than this amount. So we had all these constraints that maybe would have made that a much smaller and maybe less meaningful event. Yeah. And yet you were able to turn it into a massive event that then I'm sure was incredibly valuable for everyone that was there, even though they, they maybe didn't come in with the, how do I get something out of this? The fact that you're still around two years later and still building says that there's something really powerful in what you're doing. Well, well, thank you, man. And, uh, you know, honestly, I'm, I'm just a small part of it, right? Mm -hmm. Like I, I hear from people all the time, like, dude, these events, uh, they feel different, right? Yeah. Um, you know, uh, we've had people tell us, uh, hey, you know, I uh, honestly, uh, it was cool, man. Uh, there was someone and had a privacy. I won't, again, like, give me yeah, names, but, like, uh, there was one person I met or chatted with that they got married this last summer and they met at one of our very first events. Oh, that's cool. Right. Uh, you know, we've heard about people getting jobs, right? We've heard about friendships being formed. We heard about uh, people getting funding, right? People finding clients, people finding co-founders. Um, 
honestly, there's one that like is really near and dear to my heart. Um, there was uh, an individual in our community who, uh, very similar to me, like she was in a very dark place mm-hmm. and she was actually planning on taking her own life. Mm-hmm. And it was actually the exact day of one of my other events. And one of her friends, you know, invited her to come out to this event, right? And she came out and, uh, you know, she ended up meeting a ton of people and people were very open with her and vulnerable. And uh, this particular event was actually very focused on mental health. So we had a lot of people speaking about mental health. And, uh, you know, I'm excited to say that, like, this individual is still like, here with us today, right? And it's powerful. Uh, again, you're right, right? The Financially, I could be making a lot more money somewhere else. Sure. Uh, this is definitely a labor of love, mm-hmm. uh, but I've also gotten so much back from this community, right? These relationships have changed my life. And, uh, you know, I can't help but think like, who am I to take and not give back, right? Certainly. Anyways. I, I think it's interesting too how metrics often shape our actions. Sure. You know, metrics are not benign. I also think technology is not benign but that's a longer conversation. Maybe we'll get into it. We yeah. think about this concept of connection and, and the power of relationship leverage. But when you, when you think about how that first metric led you down a path that was titles, pay, yeah. those were, you know, that it was the money metric, right? That yeah. was the one that was driving you and that you had kind of been, had been instilled for so long. Finally, you break out of it. And it takes, obviously, as you just shared, a really dark and difficult, painful yeah. experience to, to break away from that metric. Have you established some new metrics in your life and what are they that, that are, have allowed you to find more fulfillment? Oh, dude, that's a, that's a great question, man. Uh, and honestly, uh, yes and no, okay. you know, I, I don't think so in the sense of like, uh, you know, I, I don't have like a, a metric board or a KPI dashboard somewhere where I'm like, these are the new things that I'm going after directly and monitoring every, every day or every week. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, with that being said, uh, you know, things that like I personally take a lot of pride in, I hear from a lot of, a lot of individuals, a lot of younger individuals, especially that say, Hey, you know, I'm new to a space and I want to learn how to network. Right. Mm-hmm. And I see you around a lot. Can you, can you help me? Can you teach me? Right. Uh, I love having those conversations right? mm-hmm. and uh, seeing those continue to increase. I don't in any way feel like I'm ready or prepared to be a mentor, right? But I do love to, to share what I've learned, right? And if Absolutely. that helps prevent someone from going down a darker road, then like, that's amazing, right? Uh, again, this idea of giving back, right? Uh, we've helped three Make-A-Wish kids like help their dreams come true or their wishes come true. And, uh, you know, there's just a, I don't know, man, it was, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a really interesting thing, right? Because yeah, like it's hard being an entrepreneur. Yeah. It's hard to build, you know, and I get so caught up in my own life, uh, but like our last event, right? We had 10,000 people come out for this international rugby game. We partnered with the warriors. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, man, like there's a six year old girl there, uh, her name's Hadley. And like, she has a, I think a stage four brain tumor. It's like the size of a walnut, right? And I remember meeting her and chatting with her and uh, she's just a fighter, you know? And like, when you hear things like that, you start realizing like, oh man, I don't know. You know, the fact that like some client, you know, didn't pay on time, like, yeah, it matters, but it kind of puts it into perspective too, of like what really matters, right? True. 
right, at the end of the day, like whether this works and becomes massively successful or is a huge failure, like, you know, my family's healthy, right? Like none of my kids have a brain tumor. Yeah. Right. Like that's a whole nother world that like, I can't even comprehend. Uh, you know, last year we, you know, we did a big Christmas event last year and we're super excited with what we're doing this year together. Uh, but you know, last year, I think it was like 6,000 toys ended up in the, in the hands of like children in Utah that wouldn't have had a Christmas. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know, tuitions paid for people, tens of thousands of dollars raised. Like these are amazing things that honestly, like we give way more than we take. Yeah. But for like the team and I like watching what comes out of there, you know, that is a, that's an absolute metric that we, we try to live by. It sounds like the paradigm shift fundamentally is you used to have a metric about what you needed to receive in order to feel happy. And the inversion of that has become, there's now a metric on how much you can give and that, and that's driving the happiness. It feels just as you know, listening like, no, 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 that's like, like, that's almost the fundamental switch that like more money, more money, better titles. That's going to get me there and just more and more yeah, uncomfortable, yeah, yeah. miserable, frustrated, dark. And it sounds like as you're telling the story, once you made an inversion to what can I give that sort of built this deep gratitude inside of you and also built a, a metric that you're getting more and more fulfillment out as you go. Even as I ask these questions, yeah, yeah. You're, you seem to gravitate to these instances, right? It's like, oh, here's something that happened, right? That's, that's almost a currency that in and of itself is sort of a form of, I would almost say happiness leverage of the, if you can measure and put your life in perspective of what you have to offer and give that creates this currency that you're drawing on right now, as we talk of, I, I now have a bigger ability to be happy yeah. because I have more data points, more reference points for it to be grateful. And I have more people to share with. Yeah, and those I, seem like uh, really important. No, I, I love that you say that, right? I, I never thought about it that way. Uh, and honestly, I, I think it's, you know, a lot of insight on your side to, to kind of pick that up. So uh, hats off to you, but I think you're right. I, I, I viewed the world initially as what can you give me? Right. And, you know, it has changed, right? Over the last couple of years, it's turned a lot more into, you know, what can I do for you? Right. How do we work together? How are we better together? Uh, and, you know, the, the flip side of it too is that, Again, you know, building a business is hard no matter what. But I have really found it to be like the more you give, and I know it's so cliche, right? Mm -hmm. Like the more it keeps coming back. Yeah. Right. Every time we need something, right? Whether it's a venue, maybe it's a sponsor, maybe it's a developer or whatever it may be, right? Every time that we've really needed something, it has always been given to us, like as wild as it sounds, right? And it happens enough that sooner or later you realize it's not, it's not coincidence, right? There's something, something bigger than any of us. So as you've, as you've transitioned into this new phase, you're building all this relationship leverage. I think the skill underneath that is networking. That is, you have a lot of skills and you've, you've worked in a lot of different capacities that have allowed you to build different skills, but it truly seems like you have a superpower for networking, for, for going and building genuine relationships and connections with people with little expectation of return, which people talk about. Sure. But often in practice, it's hard because it's kind of like, okay, well, I'm not getting anything out of this. Move on to the next person. Like people struggle with that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I would love to unpack some of the tactics, some of the very simple things. If someone's listening and they're like, man, this guy is living a much more fulfilled life. He's got a lot more relationships that are meaningful than I do. 
but I would like to try to implement some of that. Some of the things that they could do. I mean, just to highlight a few that I've heard so far in your story, you talked about using LinkedIn, so maybe we could expand on that. Yeah, totally. You also talked about uh, being present, showing up to events and talking to people and getting to know their story instead of trying to see what you can get from them. Yeah. Um, what other tactics, if, if you want to start with those, that's fine, but I want you to maybe unpack some of those tactics and what could go totally. to build their network. Uh, let's, let's jump into LinkedIn first, right? Sure. I think LinkedIn's kind of where it started for me. Uh, and LinkedIn is great, right? Uh, one, I think most people are sleeping on it. Uh, you know, again, I thought it was a job board. I didn't really view it as a, a social media per se. Uh, but you know, there's, I mean, obviously there's, there's going to be bad actors anywhere, but there's also a lot of real and genuine people. Um. I think, I think people also are more likely to be genuine on LinkedIn just because their career and their name is so tied to it. It's right. Like, you don't like, it's yeah. harder to just like anonymously get on and, and not be real. Sure. Um, and honestly, like, uh, so again, back in 2020, uh, I never posted, I never got online. I think I had, I think I had barely over 500 connections because I just wanted that like 500 plus. There was a metric. To right, right. Like that was yeah. it. Right. Yeah. I needed to get over that number and I didn't care about it at all. Uh, and again, not that numbers matter, but you know, in, in less than three years, I think that's uh, ten or eleven thousand followers now. Yeah. Uh, and honestly, and honestly, I'm more impressed with that number because many people could go just build the number up if that was the goal. Sure. But because I know that the way you're doing it is you're actually trying to build the relationships, that's a much more staggering number to me than someone who says, "Oh, I maxed out at thirty or forty, whatever the max is, fifty thousand, sure. but I did it by just adding everyone I could find." Right, right, right. Like, it's all meaningless. Like that's a real network of 10, 11,000 people that you've probably had a conversation with that you're actually trying to build, you know, a relationship with. And that's yeah. like a huge number through that context. Well, thank you, man. And, and I agree, right? Like the number doesn't matter that much to me. Um, I know there are people who've grown faster, right? And I know that some people use uh, bots and tools and, you know, no, no, sh like I'm not throwing any shade at anybody, right? Just cool. really what I do. And this is literally my entire playbook. <laughs> like, it is extremely simple. Uh, I wake up every morning and I try to comment on five posts before I make my own, right? Uh, again, it's a whole idea of like give more than you receive, right? Yeah. And really what that means is like, you know, because I'm now commenting on other people's posts, like most of us don't get a lot of engagement on LinkedIn, right? Yep. And so what I found is that people are really genuinely grateful when I'm willing to start a conversation with them, right? Mm. So it's not just like, a, oh, cool, this is cool. Like, but, you know, it's like, a, hey, like, I love your thoughts. You know, what do you think about this? Or what has your experience been about? Whatever. But really trying to turn it into a, like an actual conversation. Yeah. And again, those are five. Uh, then I'll make my own post. Uh, I don't know why. I post around 730-ish in the morning. I can't tell you if it's better or worse. I don't know the algorithm. I know that there are uh, really, really smart social media marketers who like know all of these things. I don't like, this is just what I do. Right. Yeah. I, I normally try about seven 30 because then for the next hour while I'm like getting ready for the day, whatever else it may be, uh, I check in every couple of minutes uh, for the first hour. I try to respond to every, uh, anyone that comments on my own stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. So I try to respond to every, uh, every comment on my own post. Uh, and again, really what that does is it starts some level of conversation, right? And compounded over, you know, near three years now, right? Almost a thousand days of doing this. It does. It turns into lots and lots and lots of real conversations, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, and some people are out of state, you know, some have actually flown in and we've met in person. 
uh, you know, all the local ones or many of the local ones, we then end up meeting one day, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, whether conversation continues for a while and that turns into like, a, hey, dude, let's go get lunch together. Let's go grab a coffee together, right? Uh, it could be, you know, I was invited to this event and, dude, I thought of you. It would be a perfect fit. If you want to come with me, we'd love to have you, right? Yeah. Or it could be we just both end up at the same event together, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, when I go to you know, Silicon Slopes or whatever else, I end up meeting a ton of people. And, you know, a lot of those are, oh, my gosh, we've been chatting on LinkedIn a ton. Yeah. It's so cool to meet you in person, right? Uh, yeah, I saw your post from uh, this year's Silicon Slopes just happened a few months ago. Yeah. Or what was it? Maybe a month ago. Yeah, yeah. It was an awesome. Did you watch the Tony Robbins? Uh, oh, I missed it. Oh, I, uh, yeah. That, that part was, that, I got me really fired up. I'm, I'm ready to do that. I'm all in. I'm ready to go to a Tony Robbins. I love it. <laughs> I love so, it. Uh, so we should go together. Let's go, dude. Let's go to a Tony Robbins that, event and let's go make it happen. But uh, uh, in fact, interestingly, uh, he talks a lot about depression and, and uh, some of the some of the other sides that we've touched on today. Yeah. Um, so I'm not even kidding. Maybe, maybe we make that happen. Maybe we go together. Right, so, uh, so, but, but as Silicon Slopes, to get back to the point we're making here, I remember I noticed you multiple times, always had people around you talking to you, sure. which is a lot easier to network. If people recognize you and they're willing to talk to you, you don't have yeah, to yeah. strike a conversation with every single person. And then at the end, I remember seeing your post on LinkedIn that had just countless photos. Yeah. And is that, is that a meaningful, where did that start for you? Uh, is that a meaningful part? The taking the photo, is that a meaningful part of how, because I've noticed you do that a lot. I think I do. it's like, if we, if we meet in person and we talk, I, I get a photo. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, you know, the funny part is that when like the idea of a selfie originally used to like make me sick. I was like, that's yeah. so dumb. And you know, and again, I don't, I don't attack anybody for you know, love of selfies or whatever. Uh, and you know, and I, I know it's common to like want to take a picture in front of like a cool landmark or somewhere you travel or, you know, with famous people. But what I found is that very few people, like regular people, are like, hey, can I? They're very rarely asked to be in a picture, right? Mm. And for me, it was really this idea that, like, I finally get to meet you in person. And that's really cool to me. Mm. And again, I don't view myself as any sort of a celebrity. Like, I'm a very regular person, too. Sure. But, like, meeting you in person was a, that's something I want to celebrate. That's something I want to remember. And so that's why I ask, like, hey, is it okay if we take a picture together, right? And, uh, what started off as, you know, just something that I don't know if anyone ever cared about. It's kind of become a thing. Like, people have mentioned it quite a few times. I'm like, oh, cool. I got in one of your selfies now. Uh, but it really is, I mean, at its heart, it's still that is I love meeting people, right? And I don't know, man, I've never, I haven't really met very many celebrities. But the chances are, like, meeting a celebrity doesn't change my life, right? Like, the people that I meet in this community, the people that I meet every day that are that are builders and dreamers and innovators, right? Like these are the people that I'm connected with, right? Like I want to remember that way more than I want to remember meeting some faceless famous celebrity that will never remember me. Yeah, certainly. Right. And so, yeah, I, I do love, like, I love taking those pictures and I love remembering those moments and, uh, you know, do Google photos and Apple photos. It's like a year ago. And like, it shows like all these things. I get genuine happiness of like, Oh my gosh, it's been a year since like Spencer and I did that thing together. And that was really cool. Yeah, uh, it helps me remember like, who I've met, right? It helps uh, give me memories and reasons to reach back out. Uh, but also, I love those because I like to highlight other people in my posts, mm. right? Like, I want something to show, like, uh, I don't want to talk about myself online a lot, right? I want to tell you, like, hey, this is a, here we go. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't we learn? Here we go, that. man. While, 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 while we're doing while, it. While in mid-podcast, we're getting a <laughs> selfie. Yeah, dude. Like, and it is. 
You're gonna it's gonna pop up and say, hey. You're going to take I got to practice what I learned in real time here. So no, I love it, man. Right, but then now we. But that's it. But it, but it, it, it also functions, even though it's not a tactic in, in the sense of like I'm taking the foe with some you know alter, ulterior motive. It, it also then sounds like it's a helpful tactic in that you tag the person in the mm -hmm. post, that shows them that you cared about the interaction, that pulls them into the conversation on LinkedIn. Absolutely, that's really cool. Well, that the one person that very few people can be mad at is the one that connects you with other people. Yeah. Right. So like if you know if I if I meet person X Y Z and I tag you know take a selfie and I tag him and I talk about how great my interaction with this person was, uh, you know I hear all the time now like dude I got a I got a dozen new requests right or I met this person because you did that for me right wow like that puts me into a positive light right it builds that relationship as a positive the other person that then met you know that initial person is grateful because they met someone great yeah like giving those connections and recommendations freely. You know, people that you vetted out and you feel positive about. Uh, you know, I think it benefits the community as a whole. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the other part of it, too, is I try to post on LinkedIn Monday through Friday. And I'm not perfect at it, but that's my general goal. Mm -hmm. uh, it is really hard to think of new things to think of, to say every single day. Uh, and contrary to, you know, popular belief, and again, what like a lot of social media people will do, I don't pre-plan my posts. I wake mm -hmm. up, I read uh, what other people have written, I engage in conversation and I spend, you know, 15 minutes kind of thinking about whatever's on my brain, whatever I want to talk about. Right. And then I'll, I'll write it right then. Having those, uh, those experiences and those selfies also gives me additional things to talk about. Right. There may be sure. days where I just don't have anything else I want to add. And then it's easy to say, dude, have you met Spencer? Right. Mm -hmm. This is his story. This is how we met. This is what he's working on, right? This is why I, I feel comfortable recommending him to anyone else in my network. Yeah. Uh, and it makes it just easier to continue to give back to your community. That's awesome. Yeah, I think uh, that's an interesting little tactic. I talked to a friend of mine who has become a top voice on LinkedIn on uh, technical program management. Okay, he's, cool. He speaks on that subject. And he's very much into the automation, like in order to set because his goal on LinkedIn is very much to build a brand and to get information out there. Sure. And so I think automation lends itself. It's a, it's a very key sort of asset or tactic to be able to accelerate your ability to get that message out. Absolutely. But if your goal is just to build relationships, yeah. that needs to be a present oriented activity. You need to have time set aside where in the present you're going to connect, converse, respond to what they say, Otherwise, it's not going to feel real because it's not real. If you're right. not present in the moment of the conversation, then nobody's going to feel a connection on that. Like if I if I pre-scripted all my questions for this podcast and recorded them and just played them at you, like for it sure. wouldn't be the same connection in, in this conversation. So it's the same way online. So I think that's a really important tactical takeaway that if you want to build relationship leverage, you're not just trying to build a brand and get media leverage, get distribution. Sure. You're trying to build a skill and build high value relationships that can enrich your life and ideally enrich their life even more. There's no substitute for spending that time one-on-one. -on -one. No, and, and again, you're absolutely right. And again, the power of LinkedIn really is the ability to do that at scale, right? Again, it's so personal, but like for, if I were to try to meet with five individuals every morning for, for 10 minutes, I mean, that'd be very hard to maintain, right? It'd be very hard to manage, it'd be yep. a large schedule, right? LinkedIn just allows me to do that very organically, but again, in a way that for three years I've been able to do it, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, rarely missing a day. 
uh, you know, it also gives me a platform, you're right, where I can share. But you are right. It then says, hey, from 7.30 to 8.30, pause on LinkedIn. Yeah, I'm checking my phone frequently. When I get new notifications, I check them. After 8.30, I'm slower, much slower to respond. Then I got to get to the office, the day starts, and that's okay. Uh, but for that first hour when people comment back, like I respond to every one of them. Mm. Right? And that, again, turns into real conversations. Uh, you know, we build a real relationship. And then when you become real to somebody, they're much more likely to engage with you again. Right? When, you, when, when your post comes up, and they're like, oh, I know that guy, so I want to help support him. And I, and I noticed that a lot, right? If we, if I go to lunch with someone, if I have a one-on-one with someone for the next week or two, I will see that person continually mm-hmm. commenting on something I say, liking something I say, sharing something I say, right? Yep. Which then gets me into the network that they have, right? And then I can meet additional people and it's just continues to snowball. That's so cool. So that, that kind of highlights the LinkedIn tactic. Sure. We kind of touched on a little bit, some of the, you know, this idea of going to events and lunches. Is there more you would add to kind of how you think about events and lunches as a way to go build those relationships? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the issues that at least I used to have, right, and this is just where I was wrong, is I thought that, and I'm going to put things into dating terms because I think most of us can understand that, right? What I didn't understand in the business world is that when when someone agrees to go to lunch with me, that's actually the first date. I viewed that as like, it's time to ask them to marry me, mm-hmm. right? So it's like, if it's the very first time you and I are going to lunch, right? We met at, I don't know, man, an event. Maybe we met on LinkedIn. We said, yeah, let's go get lunch together, right? At that lunch, I feel this, initially, I always felt this pressure of like, I have to ask you for something, mm-hmm. right? Like, I have to go for the clothes right To convert now. on something. Right. Or else, why am I here, mm-hmm. Right. But again, the reality of it is that the first, like the first lunch is the first date. I like, I'm pretty sure no one would say yes to like, let's get married on our first lunch. And honestly, if they did, I would question whether or not I want to marry that person. Right. Sure. Uh, But you know, that's how I used to view these, like these lunch meetings and these networking meetings, right? Is I literally just met you. I forced you to take my business card and I immediately go for like, Hey, I want you to buy my product or my service. Right. Mm -hmm. And instead, now it turns into like the question I ask every time is, tell me your story. Mm. Right? Like that's the question I, I love to lead with. Uh, and that, what I love about it is it's open-ended. If you want to tell me about your work, fantastic. If you want to tell me about your kids, fantastic, right? Whatever subject you want to go into, whatever aspect of your life you want to tell me about, that's amazing to me, right? Because that kind of lets me understand where you are in this relationship, right? If you want to be extremely formal and go straight into the work stuff, and I'm like, great. Like, that's kind of the world that we can play in for now, right? If you want to tell me about your kids, then I understand, like, okay, family and children, like, that matters a lot to you. And that's amazing, too, right? Uh, the other thing that I didn't understand uh, when I first started taking, you know, again, at events, lunches, whatever it may be, is that I was not an active listener. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is when you're telling me, or, you know, whatever you're telling me, the entire time, I'm sitting there thinking, like, what's the angle that I can pitch you at? Like, I'm only thinking about myself. What do I say next? Like, what am I going to say next? How do I make it about me? Uh-huh. I just I just heard somewhere this study where they talked about how they kind of broke down listening and they, they categorized responses to someone speaking to you in these two buckets. I don't remember the terms they used, but one of them was, like, validating what they said, repeating what they said, asking a follow-up question about what they said. And the other category was 
sharing your own example of that thing. Yeah. And they, they called that something like a flip sentence or a, a flip transition or something where it turns the other person off to what they're saying because now you've made it about you. So right. it's like you're talking and the, another person is like, as soon as there's a break, it's like, yeah, now let me tell you about how I do that. And it's uh -huh. like, well, okay. Like you didn't even, did you even hear what I said? Right, or right. like, it doesn't, it, that, that kills conversations. Absolutely. And I still am working on this of like how to be a good listener. It's like, how do I really listen to what you're saying? Mirror it back, paraphrase it, validate it, connect emotionally on it. That's a really tough skill set. It is right. And there were, uh, honestly, if I could go back in time, I would apologize to so many people <laughs> for so many awkward conversations. Uh, but that is like what you said is exactly right. Right. As we have these conversations and you are actively listening, right? I mean, that is it, is that you want to keep this conversation going. And what I have found is that, you know, dude, tell me your story. And then there's a good, oh my gosh, dude, that's incredible, right? Like, how did that feel? Right? Or you know, what was your experience of this? Or, you know, as we go into these questions and we really dig in, the great part is very naturally, at some point when the person is ready to, when, when they don't want to talk about themselves anymore, they'll stop and say, Dude, I want to hear about you, mm. right? And what that's done is it also has primed them where they will listen to whatever you want to talk about, right? Mm. Because all their walls are now down, right? I let them talk about anything they wanted to talk about. I let them carry the conversation in whatever direction they wanted to go. You're right. I validated feelings, right? I, I expressed genuine interest. And again, it is very active because I'm trying to remember all of these things, right? Yeah, it's hard. It is like, like it, it sounds easier in concept being an active listener, but I, I have found it to be very challenging because you're trying to remember, you're trying to understand, you're trying to empathize, you're yeah. trying to not think about yourself, right? Like, stop thinking about how this applies to me or why I, mm -hmm. you know, don't transition away. Stay right here in the moment. We'll get to that later. Right. And that is it, right? There is a genuine, like, you have to let that go. Yeah. You have to understand that, like, uh, that portion of the conversation will happen. It's just like, not right now, right? Something you said right at the beginning of this whole sequence that I've been holding on to because I, I didn't want to break this, this channel. Oh, I love it, man. Uh, is you said, when you first started, you you thought, I need to get something out of this. Yeah. Other, or else, why am I here? Yeah. And in that, I just heard the emptiness that you described that you were feeling which is you kind of turned over the power to the other person that if they couldn't give you something, they could make you feel like you had no meaning. Right. It's like, if I'm, if I can't get something out of this lunch, why am I even here? Like my meaning ceases to exist and matter. And I, when I compare that to then the skill that you just broke down of leading with, tell me your story. It's fascinating to me, the, the comparison and the difference of tell me your story. Like I know, I know why I'm here. Yeah. I know why I'm in this conversation and nothing you do is going to actually harm or set me back because my only objective is to let you share your story. Yeah. Is to hear about your stories, to empathize with you, is to connect with you as a human. So I'm in more or less full control of accomplishing my objective. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that by doing that, you will invite me to actually potentially get something else out of this yeah, by sharing absolutely. my story sharing what I'm working on, sharing what matters to me. And maybe that can turn into something. And it's very much sort of the biblical by losing yourself, you find yourself. There's this, there's this concept in that of like, it, it's so counterintuitive 
and this is how many forms of leverage are in my mind. Right. It's so counterintuitive as a skill, but because you were willing to lose yourself, you found yourself. And that's just like such an incredible transformation you just described in networking from the cold, meaningless, awkward, frustrating interactions that a lot of people have on accident. They don't even know that they're doing it to now the type of networking that's allowed you to build 11 plus thousand followers on LinkedIn and behind that meaningful connections with hundreds and thousands of businesses and people and stories. That's just incredible. Spencer, um, seriously, man, your gift is being able to take some of these ramblings and like find the nuggets inside of it. So well, I like uh, doing it. I like listening. No, no, you, I, are, I like you are an expert at that, my friend. I appreciate I just it. you to know that. I appreciate it. So, so we were to, to zoom back out to kind of the larger arc we're on here. So we, we talked about LinkedIn. We talked about um, kind of some of these skills around networking and events. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I think if people don't take away anything else from this episode, if they just take away that question, just go to an event and ask someone, tell me your story and then practice active listening. I mean, that could change people's lives in my mind. It's going to help me. I'm, I, I struggle sometimes at networking events sure. because I do get so self-absorbed. I do think like about what I want to get out of it. Or I just think like, I don't want to, I don't want to be fake. I don't want to pretend to care about them. And but I'm willing to care about them. Sure. It's more just like, it's awkward. It feels very vulnerable to be like, Hey, I want to build a relationship with you as just friends. And they're like, we're at a networking event. And you're just like, and so I think that having the right questions prepared and, you know, I'd love to hear your story or what's your story or tell me your story that something like that is such an approachable way of, hi, my name's Spencer. Nice to meet you. Tell me your story. Exactly. Like that's a very easy way to let them, choose if they want to open up and i'm sure you get some people who are like oh my story is you know blah 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 and they just grumpy move on like like you're going to get yeah. some people who just aren't interested in connecting and like that's not your fault There's exactly you do right but it opens the door to where i'm sure you get a lot of people who do connect on levels that you just don't even anticipate well and what you said earlier was uh again really really insightful and i never thought about it before uh but there it is i remember when i initially started networking i was nervous right because I had to keep thinking about what am I supposed to say next? How do I how do I tactfully turn this conversation back about me, right? How do I get this guy to buy something from me, right? How do I get them to whatever it is, agree to let me have this thing or give me a deal or whatever it may be, right? But the whole time you're balancing your objectives against, you know, trying to seem genuine and, you know, while doing it in real time and kind of listening to what the other person's saying. Uh, and at least for me, like I was anxious and I was nervous. And I think that energy comes across, right? Mm. When you truly are there to just meet with people, right? And that is the only objective. Uh, you're right. You do come into conversations feeling more confident, right? And as you actively listen, you feel more confident. And as you do the process over and over again, you start to understand like, great, we have this conversation. You see, uh, you know, you understand and, you know, I, I get to hear your story. And I know that at some point you'll ask me about mine, right? And you'll give me the floor and then we get to have this additional conversation. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, it's hard to mask. So you're, it's amazing how your emotions sort of reflect the inner dialogue that's happening. Right. If your inner dialogue is nervous and apprehensive and everything else, uh, and self-centered and it comes across, right? It just, it, it, 
taints the the mood and the experience and people can smell it you know talking sales about commission breath you know sure and it's very much that same concept that you can just feel that someone's like saying oh yeah i want to help you get the best thing for your business but like you can tell they're just trying to get you to spend money Uh uh-huh yeah and so anytime we feel that ulterior motive i think humans have kind of this super sense behind that of knowing that someone's not being genuine right and uh and so that can totally undermine any of these efforts to build the skill of networking and building valuable relationships and i would say uh you hit the nail on the head of like underneath all of this right whether the you know the execution whether the tactical side is you're going to more events you're going to more lunches you're spending more time on linkedin any of it right for me the the thing that really changed was i had to become comfortable with who i am right i had to be authentic like I had to be who I was genuinely. And once I could do that, it was a lot easier to build these connections with people, right? And, you know, and, and kind of what you said earlier, right? It's accepting that not everyone's going to love me. That's okay. Yeah. Right? Like, if everybody likes you, that means you probably aren't standing for anything. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, some people won't, and that's all right. I get that my vibe does not mesh with every other individual outside. But I used to give so much of that control away to others, right? Yeah. My day depends on whether or not you like me or not. Yeah, it's frustrating. It is, right? And it's, it, I think it's natural and it's difficult. Whereas, you know, now it's so much more of I'm doing my thing, right? I want to help other people as I do my thing too. If we can be friends, like, I would love to be your friend. Uh, if you're not in a place where this friendship makes sense yet, that's okay. Yeah. Right? Again, I, I talked earlier about how I love meeting with, uh, you know, people younger than myself who are just starting this journey. And I can tell that's a very difficult thing for them to get over, right? The number of like financial coaches and wealth management people that I've chatted with who are like, I just graduated BYU three months ago and this is my first job, right? Yeah. And I'm like, dude, I get it. And I'm going to be honest with you, I'm pretty broke. So I'm not the guy to talk to, right? <laughs> but I want to hear your story. Like, I want to hear why you got into this, right? I, I remember I chatted with one and uh, it turns out he used to be a, a former like collegiate baseball player. Right. And he talks about, we talked about marriage. You know, he talked about he's newlywed and some of the frustrations that come with that. And, you know, we had a very, very real, very vulnerable conversation about like, what's it mean to be a, a man? Right. He talked about the pressures he felt of like, I have this amazing wife. I have to you know, provide for her. Like, that's the pressure that I feel. Mm-hmm. I'm in this job. I feel like I'm drowning. You know, I feel like I'm not doing well. I don't live up to these expectations. But this was a very real conversation that ended up with me saying, hey, Here's my cell phone. Like, call me whenever you need me, right? And, like, being, I'm not in a place where, like, I'm ready to buy your service, but, like, I know a couple other people who might be. Right? Like, let me, like, let's get a lunch set up together. And, like, we went down from there, right? That was really cool. Uh, But that never would have happened if it was just, hey, you know, like, again, this is so-and-so, and and this is what we do, and we can manage your wealth for these various things. And, and, you know, everyone kind of has the same pitch. Yeah. Um, Having a more in-depth conversation, right? Like that, that kind of changes it. And again, I have zero issues with transactions. Yeah. But I think transactions may have gotten a little bit of a negative stigma. Of like, oh, you know, it's a transactional relationship. I'm like, no, no, no. There's a real relationship. Now, I do business with some of my very best friends. Right? Sure. Like, we buy things from each other. We sell things to each other. We support each other. Transactions are fine. I just think, you know, for a while, we've allowed the transaction to rule over the relationship. And I think it is dangerous to allow the relationship to rule over all transactions, too. There's a healthy balance, right? 
Yeah, certainly. Anyways, hopefully that made sense. There. No, it did. Yeah, I think. Um, all right, so we've we've gone from all the way from your story into <laughs> different parts of uh, different tactical skills uh, that can help people build leverage, specifically relationship leverage. Yeah. Um, as well as as building relationships through LinkedIn, which is, I mean, I think super super powerful. When you look forward, right? Uh, one of the things that I sort of feel and believe is that technology. So I guess as a, as a, as a backdrop, have you ever read the book Lost Connections? Have you ever heard of that book? I have. Yeah. Uh, it's been a little bit since I've read it. Though. That book was super meaningful to me. It's what I was, what came to my mind when you were telling your story about this idea that, that we all need human connection. Yeah. And that book really harps on that point uh, and even shows how it correlates to depression and other you know, mental uh, health issues. Sure. Um, and so the, the idea underneath that, that when, when the transactions or when uh, the, the motives sort of take precedent, precedence over the connection and make it a, a disingenuous connection or a unmeaningful connection, that sort of undermines the value of the connection. And now as you lose those connections, you'll find yourself feeling more and more unhappy. Sure. Um, Whereas I think the people that are finding happiness are prioritizing the genuine connections, are building genuine relationships, and still, like you said, doing transactions and doing things that are a necessary part of life and business. Technology seems to be, in my opinion, continually creating more of the disingenuous and, and transactional type relationships. Everything built is like tech can connect you. Right. To me seems um, to, to fall into because of the natural capitalistic motive, the profit motive, it quickly becomes and has a long-term sort of inertia towards prioritizing the transaction, sure. prioritizing how do I monetize, sure. not prioritizing how do I make sure the relationship or the connection is so meaningful that the person's happy. So a lot of things that would be exposing people to ads we know creates unhappiness, but the platforms all expose a bunch of ads because it drives them so it ties the connection that they're feeling on social media to a specific outcome that is very often motivated and it makes people more unhappy. Uh, and you can go through lots of examples of this in tech, but I think it's a, a critical problem. And so I'm curious just to hear your thoughts on that. Like, is that something that you see as a potential problem, especially as we move towards AI? I, I can see that getting even worse potentially. Sure. You know, it's like, hey, talk to my AI assistant version of me, <laughs> and they'll talk to your AI assistant. Yeah, yeah, they'll yeah. decide if we even need to talk in person. Sure, I can see it accidentally creating more disconnect uh, because of the profit motive. Is that something you worry about at all, or, or what do you think on that front? You know, uh, I think it's super interesting you bring it up, uh, only because we actually are in that realm too. Mm. Uh, a couple thoughts there. Uh, you know, one, and, and, I'm, and I'm guilty of it, right? Uh, so I'm a diabetic. I know we talked about that before. Uh, my doctor put me on Trulicity, right? It's one of those injection things. Mm -hmm. Made me feel super sick. Uh, but I'll be honest. For a little while, uh, I thought, you know what? Because I'm on this, like, miracle drug, I can just eat whatever I want. Like, I can just binge eat garbage all day, and this one shot will take care of it, right? Mm -hmm. And the reason I bring that up is, uh, again, I'm guilty of it. I keep putting too much into the hands of technology. Mm. Now, I don't think technology is bad at all. I think technology is an amazing tool. 
right? But it's not a all or nothing solution, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I think some people say, oh, dude, I have to give 100% of my relationship building control to social media, mm-hmm. right? And if it doesn't work, then all social media is evil and, you know, it's only bad. I'm like, no, 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 like LinkedIn to me, again, is a social media, right? It is a tool that has allowed me to connect with, you know, quite literally thousands of people. Uh, do I let it control my life? No. Right. Do I post one day on LinkedIn and just say, well, that is a hundred percent of my networking efforts. And I expect this now to work. No. Right. It is just an arrow in the quiver. Mm-hmm. Um, with that being said, so again, we're actually developing our own technology as well. Mm-hmm. And on our end, what it came from was, uh, so last fall, uh, we broke the world record as a, as a community for the largest blanket fort ever made. It was about mm-hmm. 10,000 square feet. And we did it in honor of, uh, you know, another make-a-wish child. And, you know, we put it in his name and everything. It was such a cool experience. And ever since then, we started polling people. We sent out emails and surveys and LinkedIn posts. And the question was, why do you go to professional events? Right? And we had all these different reasons. You know, is it, uh, is it the venue? Is it the experience? Is it... You know, the cool stuff you're going to get is learning from the speakers. And one of the options was, uh, you know, meeting the right people. And I know it sounds like, honestly, overly simplistic, but uh, 82% out of over 3,000 people said that the number one reason they go is to meet the right people. Hmm. And again, I was just like, what? Seriously? Honestly, I was a little mad because I was like, dude, I'm... I'm killing myself trying to break world records with you guys. Like, I thought that's why you're coming. Turns out I could just put you in a room and feed you some tacos and you're just meeting people, right? Yeah. Um, but again, 82% said that the most important thing for them was, how do I find the right person? Uh, and so I said, okay, well, there has to be a solution for this, right? Like someone has created this solution. Let's go find it. And we looked all over the place. Uh, you know, my co-founder and I, my team, and we found, um, I mean, so many like uh, Eventbrite clubs, ticketing platforms. And, you know, those are all great in their own way. But a ticketing platform doesn't help you connect with the people going to the event. It just makes it easier to get a ticket. Uh, I found a ton of event management apps for people like me. Right? I throw a lot of events. I host a lot of events. So these tools make it easier for me as an event manager or an event host. Uh, you know, I found a couple that said, hey, here's every single person going to the event. I said, yeah, that's cool, too. But, uh, you know, when we started doing some tests there, really, people were like, I don't know. I don't know what to do with this information. Right. And then the flip side of it is that we started getting complaints of people saying, dude, some sales guy got the list and now I'm just getting spammed emails. Right. Yeah. So I said, OK, that makes sense. Uh, and so we realized my co-founder and I realized um, what we needed to build because we couldn't find it, was a techno- an AI version of, like myself, at an event, right? When I meet you at an event, you know, and you start telling me your story, you know, one of the things I'm doing as I'm actively listening to you is also trying to understand who can I connect Spencer with, mm-hmm. right? Because I, a truth to me, right? One of my truths is that just about all solutions or problems can be solved with human connection, right? So if you have an issue or a concern and I care about you, what I want to do is connect you with the right person because that will help lead to your solution. So, you know, as we go to an event and you're telling me about all these things that are happening in your life and you're sharing your story and your concerns and whatever else it may be, 
back of my mind, I'm thinking, oh man, I should introduce Spencer to so-and-so, right? But it's not just, does that person address the problem that Spencer's you know, trying to solve? Is it, do I think they'll get along well, mm. right? Personality-wise, do I think they'd mesh, right? Are they actively looking for what each person has to offer? How do I connect them in a, a more genuine way? Um, and again, that's what I think Super Connectors at any event does, right? You've, you've all been to events, I'm sure, where you know that one guy that's kind of helping all people connect. <laughs> and uh, anyways, and so my co-founder and I, a year ago, realized that AI actually is the solution, hmm. right? And ironically enough, uh, my sister was the one who helped us realize it. I was explaining the situation to her. She's ignoring me because she's 10 years younger than me and my sister and everything I say is boring. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, she's on her phone and I'm like, what are you doing? And she's like, oh, I'm on Tinder. Right. And my first thought was like, I don't want to know about this. Sure. Uh, but afterwards she was explaining it to me and I was like, oh my gosh, Tinder's actually the solution. As weird as it sounds, right? Because Tinder doesn't show me every other person on Tinder. It only shows me people with the highest probability of a mutual right swipe. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, and so uh, my co-founder and I, we bought the we bought the domain connected.ai, mm -hmm. and uh, sorry, without the last e, so c o n n e c t d.ai, and um, that's what we started building. Right, is this idea that uh, what if an AI at some level of intelligence, you know, so once you get your ticket, after you get your ticket, it starts to understand why are you going to the event, what kind of people do you want to meet. What do you do for fun? What do you do for work? Is there anything else we need to know about you, right? And based on those five questions, our algorithm then says, great, Spencer, based on what you've told us, here are a dozen people that you should meet that also want to meet someone like you, mm. right? And you can swipe left and right on it. And, you know, mutual rights swipes go into private conversations. Now conversations can happen even before the event itself, right? Uh, and so in that sense, we try to mirror what LinkedIn was doing for us, right? Or doing for me. We'd start these conversations before and then we meet in real life and that kind of helps solidify the conversation, right? Now, what I'm not saying is that connected is the answer to all the, all the problems, right? You still have to be a cool person, mm. right? And you still have to go and actively listen. You still have to show up for that person. You still have to give. But what we're trying to do is say, hey, we understand when you walk into a room and there's 10,000 people there, you have no idea who the heck you're supposed to talk to, right? Yeah. And again, it's okay to have objectives when you go to a networking event, right? If you really need a job, as great as having you know, all these conversations are, ideally you're building relationships with people who also are looking to hire someone just like you. Yes. Right? If you're a, a founder and you're three months away from running out of money, ideally you'd be building conversations and relationships with people who also could invest in your company, right? Sure. So that's the whole concept of connected is to, to take what super connectors naturally do use AI and technology to augment it, right? But again, it is not the end-all, be-all solution, right? You as an individual still need to be there. You still need to form the relationship. We're just trying to use technology to open the door a little bit for you, right? Get you lined up with the right people that you want to talk to that also want to talk to someone like you. I like that a lot. And I think, uh, I think you could even make events more engaging if you could tie it in where it's like, these people are going to be at the event. We're putting you at the same table or... You know, because you struck these connections in advance, now you know who you're looking for at the event. Right. You, can, you know, hey, good to see you. You know, like you mentioned when you were at Silicon Slopes, it's like 
all these people that knew from LinkedIn came up and you're able to talk to talk to them in real life. It's like that if that can sort of grease the skids sure. and and get everything ready so that when you go to the event, you have things to do. You don't just stand around or be like, oh, do I awkwardly waltz into this conversation? This sure. group, do I kind of peek in and hey, I'm so and so, you know. Uh, it gives you kind of tactics to really go get involved. So I think that's a really exciting area of technology that you're you're pushing into. And uh, thank you, man. I'll certainly try it out, and I'm excited <laughs> to to see how it develops. Well, thank you, man. And again, right, I think the the things that I love about that, right, is um, you know, if you told me two years ago when tacos was just this idea that one day we'd be working in AI, that we'd be building in tech, that we'd be doing all these things, it would have sounded impossible, right? Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, part of it is that we didn't, my co-founder and I, we didn't start Tacos with the goal of being here, right? The goal was always, and is continuing to be, how do we just make human connection easier, right? And as we've done these events, and as we've met with people, and as we've done the research, and we've talked to them, and we've understood the pain points, that helped us better understand what are the things that get in the way that make that, that makes human connection more difficult, right? Yeah. Especially when it comes to these events, right? When you go to a networking event, you want to meet people. But, you know, we don't, we aren't taught this skill, right? Yeah. There's no high school class that said, hey, this is how you network professionally. Right? Yeah, it's, it, it's, even if there was, I don't know if I would have been ready to sure. learn the skills. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a skill set that's missing for sure. Right. And uh, anyways, and so for us, we feel very strongly that connected is just, the evolution of the same vision, right? We hope that by giving this platform to anybody, anyone that wants to throw an event, that they're making it easier for their attendees to connect, right? And that furthers that vision of human connection, right? Because it, it's not about me. Yeah. It's not how many people can I connect, right? It's not how many people that go to a tacos event. It's anyone that goes to an event, right? It's anyone that needs human connection. We're hoping that we make it just a little bit easier. Well, the more the more that you have that scale out and you have all these different events, now you can start to propose events to people yeah. or introduce people to new communities. One of those one of the most interesting things that I've learned kind of networking is how the loose connections end up being the most valuable ones. Right. And this is straight out of network theory, but it's a concept that is so important because the, your tightest connections have such strong overlap with your network. Like me and you both have very similar networks, I would say. Sure. Uh, in that we're both very connected through, say, entrepreneurship in Utah. Right. Your network's much larger and, and better than mine. But that being said, said, there's a lot of overlap. I know a lot of people you know. Sure. You know a lot of people I know. Which means that if, if there's something that I need and I reach out, there's a higher likelihood that the people that you would that come to mind for you would right. be people that I that you already, already know. know. Now... On the other hand, if I know someone who happens to live in, you know, Austin, a good friend of mine lives in Austin. Sure. He's very connected with the entrepreneurship community there. Sometimes I bounce something off him. He might have an introduction, and it's someone I would have never met. Right. And so the value there is because he's plugged into all these other people, I get so much more out of that. And it doesn't make him a better friend than you, right? Sure. At the end of the day, it's it's just this idea that you get more relationship leverage out of having loose connections and a lot of different networks. Right. And people often find that when they go to networking events, they end up just staying in that little dense network of people they already know. Right. So what I love about where this technology is going is I love this idea that it can help you break out of that. It can help you make the right connections at these events. And ideally, if you now have lots of events, it can even propose, look, you might want to talk to people in this network, right. this event. You might not 
be going to the right events. Well, and, and that's like, there's just so much power behind that with AI. Yeah. And, and as you know, on our side, we, you know, as we help companies implement generative AI solutions and also, you know, Salesforce solutions, when we're doing all that, that's something I think about a lot is this idea that we're often not far from sort of what we need, but people don't see how to get there. And in the relationship side, yeah, it sounds like you guys are going to make a huge impact on that. And we hope so, man. But I mean, again, like a well, part that you brought up that I love, because I, I was guilty of it, right? Because it's comfortable. I remember, like, I can't even, like, I can't tell you how many conferences or trade shows I've been sent on, right? And at the end of the day, when it's lunchtime, who am I sitting with? Like the same people that from my own company. The people we can't right? Like you know what I mean? Like we literally have now flown hundreds or thousands of miles. The company's paying thousands and thousands of dollars to, for us to be there. And yet we all sit with our own companies at lunch, right? Or we sit with like the six people we already know. Yeah. Right. And as great as that is, you're right. The person who could be the the person I need to talk to could literally be the guy sitting with nobody one table over. Yeah. Right. It's just hard to break out of those habits. Uh, and, you know, again, that's really what it comes down to is that we're hoping that, you know, this app is just that friendly person that says, hey, you know, Spencer, you should, right? Yeah. You guys both love, I don't know, fly fishing or whatever it may be, right? And, like, you guys should talk. And we'll we'll leave it here. Like, whatever you guys do with this relationship, that's up to you guys. Yeah. But we're just happy to get you guys connected. Yeah. And, and that's it. No, I think that's super powerful. The... Uh... When I think about the things that you've done so far, right? Lots of very impressive things. It really comes full circle. You know, it's, you started out really trying to pursue being a founder, getting the title, getting all that. You evolved to this point where that's not the focus. And yet those things are then happening because they're happening for the right reasons. They're happening from a place of strength and you being in an emotionally, mentally better place, being driven by purpose instead of by the wrong metrics. And so it's, it's cool to see your journey and see how that then has shifted. Um, what are some of the upcoming sort of uh, goals that you have with tacos for anyone that's listening that wants to get involved, maybe has never come to a tacos event, sure. maybe has doesn't understand how the impact they can have, but you know, how, what, what would you want to share with them before we wrap up yeah. of ways they could maybe come get involved or have an impact? I love it, man. Um, I'm going to, I have a very long answer to that, if that's okay. Yeah, that's all right. Uh, so our next event, we're, we're finalizing the date. Uh, again, we're, we're working with, with you guys, and we're super excited about it. Uh, potentially December 7th, it looks like. We, we found a venue. Um, anyways, to rewind a little bit, uh, a couple weeks ago, I made this post on LinkedIn, and it was about my experience with T-Mobile. Yep. Right? And I'm not trying to badmouth T-Mobile here. Uh, but what had happened is that due to a clerical error, right, just a, a mix-up on their end, uh, I left T-Mobile November of last year. And then, um, you know, we ported out our numbers. They said everything was good. Apparently, there's another line that they kept billing me for. And every time I'd call in and say, hey, like, I don't, like, if you look at the history of this bill, there's never been a phone call made that's never been activated on a phone. There's... Like, I don't know what this number is, right? And every time they apologize and they, they said they'd take care of it. Uh, about a month ago, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, whatever, um, I got a notice, a letter from the actual collection agency mm. now saying that, hey, T-Mobile sent this to us and like you owe us money. And if you don't pay by this day, uh, it's going to hit your credit, right? 
and it was 1100 bucks. Um, and you know, for me, I remember, you know, we had a lot of heartburn and frustration because one, I felt like, okay, uh, dude, like I have tried to get this resolved multiple times. You keep telling me it's going to get resolved and it, and it never got resolved. Right. When I called T-Mobile again, they told me, Hey, we're really sorry, but there's nothing we can do. Uh, you know, it's been sent to the collection agency. Like it's out of our hands. When I asked to speak to a manager, I got hung up on it. I, it was, again, it was frustrating. And, you know, my wife and I, we were debating, like, I think we have to pay it because I, I can't afford my credit to get destroyed, right? Um, you know, and you get it as an entrepreneur, like your credit's super important for additional financing that you may need. Um, you know, the flip side, the hard part with that as an entrepreneur, like, again, you understand, money's tight for a while. You know, like that $1,100 was literally my entire family's Christmas budget plus some. Oh. Right. And, uh, you know, my wife and I, like, we had a very real conversation of, um, you know, I don't think we can have a Christmas this year. Like, we have to pay the bill. And that means, like, we don't have Christmas this year. Right. And how do we explain to our children that, like, I have four young kids. Like, how do I tell them that Santa's not coming? Right. Like, uh, and it was a genuinely hard, I mean, there were tears. It was a hard conversation. Yeah. I posted about this on LinkedIn and it wasn't again to badmouth T-Mobile. It was to ask, does anyone know someone at T-Mobile? Right. So we can get this thing resolved. I would love to just speak with someone and just explain the, the situation. Uh, within, I think it was like 24, 48 hours, uh, that post had over a hundred thousand impressions. Um, Mike Sievert, the CEO of T-Mobile emailed me. Uh, directly and like apologized. Uh, he had one of the presidents of the company call me. She resolved everything within half an hour. Wow. Right. And uh, again, this is not to talk about cloud or social platforms or anything. What it was was this eye opening experience of there are families today in Utah, I mean, all over the world, that literally the parents right now are having that same conversation of, honey, I don't think we're going to have Christmas this year. What do we tell the kids? Right. And like, that breaks my heart just thinking about it. Yeah. Uh, and so for me, uh, again, December 7th is likely the date for the next event is, uh, this idea of, it's not even a tacos event, right? It's this idea of, you know, your brand and my brand and hopefully 50 other brands or a hundred other brands all rallying together and, you know, donating time and money and services, um, to make, Christmas happened for as many families as we can here in Utah, right? And then internally, like as a team, our goal is 10,000 families. Uh, that is a really big goal. Scares the hell out of me. Yeah. Uh, but what's been amazing is like, you know, so far, I think 20 some brands have all rallied around and said, yes, we're in. Yeah. Right. Uh, UVU just provided us a venue. Uh, so we'll be at the UVU venue and the Lehigh location again, likely on December 7th. Yeah. Uh, if you go to tacostogether.com, you can see more event details. We'll have the landing page up soon. Perfect. Uh, but again, I feel very strongly, right? That experience reminded me again the power of community, right? Yeah. When I, as an individual, couldn't get this problem solved, thousands of people helped me get it resolved, right? Yeah. And uh, because of it, because of you, because of the community, like my family gets that with Christmas this year. Absolutely. Right? And I think we as individuals can do that for, for so many people here. Yeah. I, uh, last, so last year, um, 
to kind of give you some background from where I came from on this, last year I wanted to, well, going back several years uh, and even into my childhood, my family, one of our Christmas values was always service. Yeah. And it was always important to my parents that the service be something we be involved in. Not yeah. like we, we donated money, but like we did something. Totally. And they knew that that would be really important, I think, uh, in terms of the impact it would have on us. And um, so we did service every year, but every other year we would do no presents. So one year we would do presents, and the other year we would do a much bigger service project uh, with that with that money, as well as we would do some sort of travels fan, which was usually camping or you know maybe yeah, a yeah. trip to like Six Flags or something. But what it taught me was that I really valued the years where we did travel and service way more than I valued the presence years. Sure. And so I ended up with our family saying, we're going to do every year as a travel, our values are first travel or first service, then uh, travel. And then uh, if, if we do any presents, it'll be like a few things, like a couple sure. things you value. Because I also found that when I got presents, there was maybe one or two things I really cared about. And the rest was just kind of like stuff. To right. And stuff. Yeah, you're, you're dead on though. So, so I was like, that's where we're going to go with our family. And then what I found out is each year, you know, as I started looking around for the ways we could serve, it's like hard. Like it's actually, it's surprisingly hard to find places where you can be hands on. It's easy to find places to donate money. Sure. But if it's like, hey, we want to come serve food at the homeless shelter. Guess what? So does everyone else. And so like they already have people for the whole season. You're like, right. oh man, we should have planned this three months ago. I didn't know I had to call a year in advance to reserve my spot to help feed the homeless. So like. I, we started finding that it was actually kind of tricky to do the things that were more hands-on Yeah. because anywhere that had everything set up for you to do it was booked. And if you wanted to do it yourself, you're like, where do I even start? Like, totally. How do I get to do something like this? So it shifted out of my personal sort of domain of like, I want to do this as a family. It's like, I want to do this through my company because I need more leverage. I need a bigger engine to do this in a way that can be meaningful. And so, um, and so we started, um, because in my family, one of the things we did was reach out to some local churches and things and said, hey, like, could we could we provide Christmas for a family? No, everyone's already taken care. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, so, like, I never knew it was this hard, right? So, anyway, so then I moved to, took it to my company. I was like, hey, let's do this. And so last year was the first year we implemented kind of our vision for it. And the vision was we wanted to do Christmas for, again, for local families. Yeah. Ended up choosing a school in the Salt Lake School District that is the most impoverished area of Salt Lake. And we had, I believe it was 40 families that were living under the poverty line that we put on a whole um, Christmas event, a dinner, a catered dinner, music, craft making, Christmas cookies, gingerbread houses, all this stuff that could be that. And then we got shopping lists from them, shopped for them and had bags of gifts for them to take home. And it was a massive undertaking, but it was the most meaningful thing we'd ever done. And it was, you know, it was only for 40 families at the same time. I saw you guys last year working on your toy drive. I was like, God, I look at how hard we worked sure. to get to these 40 families by ourselves because we don't have, we didn't have infrastructure to do this. We don't have, but most of all, because we didn't have relationships. And then I looked at what you guys were doing and the way that you could have such a massive impact because of the community you've built. And so I told my team this year, I said, we got to talk to Paul and figure out if we can do something together. Because we'll be able to contribute to a much larger effort. It's much more exciting to go to a much, to go pursue 10,000 families than it is 40 families. Sure. And we, what we can accomplish together through the relationships is so much more exciting to me. And we're still going to do a hands-on event. We're still going to be able yeah. to, to do the, the part where we get to, to feel connected to the people and look in their eyes. And like that stuff is meaningful to me. But 
it's all that is to sort of say, when you look at how, where I was coming from, where you were coming from, which was this similar place of wanting to help. Yeah. We're going to accomplish so much more this year together. And a lot of that credit goes to you because of the community that you built. And that is, if there's no other theme of this episode, that power of the relationship leverage, the power of building all these meaningful relationships, what we can do is going to be mind, mind blowing. And I'm so excited to be a part of it. I'm grateful that you were willing to work with us on it. And I'm excited to, to see the other businesses get involved and to, to see how big and meaningful we can make this because ultimately that's the part that matters. What matters is the end result. And selfishly, I like getting the joy out of knowing that I helped contribute to that. We all like that, right? It's a little selfish, but we all want to feel that that meaning, that accomplishment of like, hey, we, we helped to do something meaningful. It's probably not the worst thing to be selfish about. Oh, no, no. And that, 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 there's a good kind of selfish. That is one. I'm absolutely addicted to that, right? Like, I love that feeling. Uh, and honestly, I, I think, you know, a, a beautiful way to wrap this up is just kind of summarizing that one thought, right? The power of community, the power of network, right, is really understanding that one plus one is three, right? One plus one is five. One plus one is 10, right? What I can do as an individual is very little, right? But when we get enough people moving in the same direction, like what we can do is monumental. Absolutely. Right. And the, the, you know, the time and effort it takes to build our networks and our community. Now we may not understand why we're doing it. Right. Again, two years ago, none of this made any sense to me. Even, you know, even a couple of weeks ago, this whole Christmas thing wasn't even on the radar, right? Mm. And uh, and again, I mean, I know that you thank me, but honestly, like I'm grateful for you guys. You helped kind of kick that in gear as well, right? This this T-Mobile thing, uh, you know, when you and Becca reached out, and both of those together happened almost at the exact same time. And there's just one of those moments where I was like, okay, like honestly, I thought we just kind of phoned it in this Christmas, but uh, <laughs> you know, clearly there were other plans. And you're right, like having a community and these relationships already built. Uh, make something that's, I mean, so very difficult. It is. But it, it took it from impossible to just very difficult, right? Yeah. But, like, I do feel that, like, as an organization, as a community, as as all these brands and all these people get involved, like, we can make huge differences. Anyways, dude, I, I just thank you for having me, man. My thank pleasure. you for your thoughts as well. Tacostogether.com. That's where people go find out about the upcoming events and get that's involved. It. That's it, man. And connects with you on LinkedIn, I'm sure. Absolutely. All right. I appreciate you, brother. Thanks, man. Hey, before you go, I have a small request. Our mission is to empower as many people as possible to maximize their potential through the power of leverage. Could you help us in this mission by leaving a review on iTunes, Spotify, or YouTube? And if you know just one person who would benefit from today's episode, would you please share it with them? Your support means the world to us, and we are thrilled to have you in the community. Thank you for being a part of our journey and helping us grow. You can find show notes for today's show and past shows at LessonsInLeverage.com, which also has links to connect with me personally and connect with our various podcast channels across your favorite social networks. A big thanks to Solve.Cloud who sponsored this episode. They're a group of expert consultants that help SaaS and financial services companies to implement, optimize, and manage Salesforce.com. They can help you with custom integration solutions and are helping customers to implement some of the most important generative AI technologies. You can find them at Solved.cloud. That's S-O-L-V-D dot cloud is the URL. Thanks again, and we'll talk soon.